Welcome to the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, E. Vandervliet, with his trusted canine sidekick, Woody, where we bring you the news raw, unfiltered, and with no chaser. And welcome to the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. E. Vandervliet here with his trusted canine co-host, Woody. How you doing, Woody? Woof. Uh, I hear you, Woody. There's a lot going on in the news. So let's get right to the show. You know, there are still election results. Here we are, November 16th, as I'm recording this, and we still have House seats not called. So I'll give you a quick update on that. And then we're going to talk about the presidential election and the Stop the Steal campaign. It, is it possible? I mean, there's so much going on that I, I mean, I can't even get to everything. So I'm going to just get to one big nugget. We'll talk about that big nugget. And then COVID-19 media seems to be talking an awful lot about COVID-19 again. We'll get into the reasons for that. And then also speaking of the media, media manipulation 101. I'm going to show you how the media is manipulating you into believing their narrative. You know, they've all come together. I got a video clip for you that I'm going to play that just is amazing in how it shows you that across all the networks, they're really delivering the same narrative. So let's get into it. Election results. There are of the House seat. Now the Senate seat, we'll close that one out real quick because we still have we have two Senate races that are going into a runoff here in the state of Georgia where I live that will be decided January 5th. So we're going to see a lot of fireworks pretty soon. I'll get into a lot of that this week. I'll talk about the candidates uh, and give you election updates as they come in. So that's just beginning, and we got till January 5th on that one. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about the presidential race in a minute, but the House is not done yet. There are four seats left to call in the House. Over the weekend, they called three seats. Going into the weekend, there were only seven. Actually, I think nine and two were called on, um, I think, late Friday or mid-Friday. So we've got four seats left. Here's where it stands in the House of Representatives right now. Democrats have 221 seats you know, whether they're certified or called, we'll just put them as that, uh, which gives them a majority. Majority is 218 seats. And the Republicans now have 209 seats. Now, of the remaining four seats left, uh, there's district in California, District 21, and also in California, District 25 have not been called. Both are leaning Republicans. And then there is Iowa, District 2, also leaning Republicans. That one's very, very tight. I think the last I checked, there was only like a 40-vote difference. And then finally, New York, District 2020, I'm sorry, 22, 2020 on the brain here. New York, District 22 has not been called. It also is leaning Republicans. So it's a possibility these four remaining seats can go to the Republicans. So that'll give them 213 to the Democrats, 221. Now, again, the Democrats still have the majority. But what does that really, really mean? Well, it has, there's a lot, actually. It means a lot because with a slimmer majority, the Democrats have less pull. They have, they have less of a mandate, if you will. I know the Democrats love to talk about mandates. But in reality, if, if Nancy Pelosi, if she's elected, by the way, and I hope she is, is Speaker of the House, oh, man, please, Democrats, don't let me down. Please put that woman back into the speakership position. She has done wonders for the Republican Party. I mean, this is under her leadership. The Democrats, remember the pollsters were saying the Democrats were going to increase the number of seats? Yeah, that didn't happen, did it? No, sir, bop. It did not happen. In fact, they lost seats, and it looks like anywhere from 11 to 14 seats in the House. And remember, Orange Man Bad should have knocked out a lot of Republicans. That's what the pollsters were saying did not happen. So Nancy Pelosi, who was the leader of the House, 
who orchestrates all this stuff, will now have to face her own party to get reelected as Speaker of the House. And uh, she doesn't care, by the way. Here's an article from Breitbart. Smaller majority won't force me to compromise more, Pelosi says. During a press conference on Friday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Democrat, California, stated that having a smaller majority in the House will not force her to compromise more and won't have that much effect at all on how she legislates. Pelosi was asked, how does the smaller majority, how does that affect your legislative approach? Are you going to have to compromise more? Are there bills that you're, and it goes to the question mark, Pelosi cuts into state. No, <laughs> you go, girl. You hold your own, Nancy. You don't take, don't give an inch. Don't give an inch. So she's going to run for reelection for Speaker of the House, and the Democrats are stupid enough to put her in, which is great, because in 2022, God willing, they will they'll, they'll just have a bloodbath on the Democrat sides. They're only going to have a majority, a slim majority. What is this going to? I mean, if if all of these three or these four go Republican, and there's no there's no guarantee they will. I mean, you know, given this election, all four can flip to a Democrat lead and all go for Democrat. But it still gives the Republicans power. Now, here's why. So if Nancy Pelosi is already stating she's not going to compromise, there are a lot of Democrat Congress creators that just barely won their reelection. All of those Democrat seats, and I've said this before, all of those Democrat seats that just were called for Democrat, like the New Jersey seven, that was a tough fight. Otherwise, it would have been called on the election night. And there were dozens of House seats, by the way, that weren't called on election night because they were. It was a tough fight, meaning the vote was tight. So all of those seats, all of those Congress critters who wants to keep their nice little fat paychecks coming in with all those goodies and perks they get being a Congress critter of the United States, they're going to want to keep that job. Remember, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely, and absolutely they want to stay in Congress because they love those perks. So they're the ones that may not vote for the crazy kooky legislation that comes down the pipe. Or they may be the ones that side with the Republicans. Because now what's going to happen is the Republicans, if they can get together, if they can just work as a team, all 209 is right now, and it could be, you know, four more. We could have 213. I predicted between 212, uh, 210, 212. And so we're, we're pretty close to that number. Now, if all of them come together and let's say they want to pass some legislation, whatever it is, and they can get, uh, what is it, seven or eight Democrats to side with them? It's a lot easier to do. So, yeah, this gives power to the Republicans, even though they're still in the minority in the House. It does give them a little leverage. The House of Representatives will still be run by the Democrats. They'll still have the majority. But if you go flip over to the Senate race, if the Republicans can hang on to one of those seats, and there is a likelihood they'll hang on to both of them, but there's a greater likelihood they'll at least hang on to one. They'll have a 51-seat majority in the, the Senate, and the Democrats will not be able to get anything done. Now, because of that, you know, this race in Georgia, all eyes are going to be on us like there is no tomorrow. But let's flip over to the presidential race right now. There's a stop the steal campaign going on. You've probably heard about it. Uh, it's, you know, hashtag stop the steal because it looks like there is some shenanigans going on with this election. But, you know, the pre President Trump and his team have filed a lot of lawsuits. Lawsuits have been uh, kicked out of court. He's won one lawsuit in Pennsylvania where they are going to kick out some ballots that came in later. So it's all over the place. But there's this one thing out there 
that is the big fight. And that's the voting machines. I'm going to get into that in a minute, but there were signs of this all the way back in 2019. Um, my friend over there, uh, uh, Anthony Jacobs over at Free Eagle News shared this with me. He had a breaking news come up on his site uh, where he shared this story. Uh, and this is over the weekend. He broke this. Witnesses alleged Texas Senator Boris Miles and Harris County Commissioner Rodney Ellis were orchestrating a ballot harvesting scheme with help from Biden campaign officials Dallas Jones. A former FBI agent and an ex-policeman has accused Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden's Texas political director, Dallas Jones, and his juniors forged ballots by filling them out on their own. The two say that they have video and other evidence to corroborate their claim that Biden's Texas campaign falsified ballots using dead or homeless people and nursing home residents' identities. Uh, the new affidavits filed with the Supreme Court of Texas Monday alleged a coordinated ballot harvesting operation in Harris County. Uh, the two testimonies specifically named State Senator Boris Miles, Democrat, and Harris County Commissioner Rodney Ellis, Democrat, as the leaders of the, an election fraud scheme that involves stealing absentee ballots from nursing homes and forging voter signatures. Another individual named in Dallas is jo is jo Another, sorry, let me back that up. Another individual named is Dallas Jones, a political operative overseeing Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden, Biden's Harris County operation. So they filed an affidavit. Now, what's curious about this, and you know, they filed an affidavit, it's the date. The date that this was signed under oath was on September 27th of 2020. That's right. This September 27th of 2020. Now, I'm not really good with calendars. My wife will be the first to tell you that. I forget dates. You know, a lot of guys do. But I'm pretty sure September 27th of 2020 is before Election Day, November 3rd of 2020. Now, so all these mail-in ballots were going on. And, you know, we've seen other stories of ballot harvesting and... You know, ballot harvesting, by the way, what it is, is to give you a quick thumbnail of it. I'll use that uh, nursing home and, um, example. Is So you've got uh, people in nursing home, elderly people in nursing homes. They get ballots sent to them. Somebody comes in and retrieves those ballots. And they sometimes will get the person to sign it, and they don't get them to fill out any of the data for who they want to elect. They just get them to sign it, and they walk away, and then they fill out who they want to have elected. In some states, it's legal, believe it or not. In some states, it's illegal. So you'd think it would be illegal all over the place. Uh, it's illegal here in my home state of Georgia, but it doesn't mean people don't do it. That's the whole thing. Whether it's illegal or legal, it doesn't matter. It's like the whole guns argument. It's like, you know, uh, if you outlaw guns, the only people who have guns are outlaws. Of course, the left never understands that because they're crooked. The left doesn't have any problem doing stuff like this because they don't, they don't care. They don't, they don't laws? <laughs> Who needs laws? We need to get our candidate elected. So anyway, September 27th, they sign under oath this affidavit that they have witnessed ballot, ballot harvesting in Texas. Now, that's Texas. Texas went for um, Trump, but, but for a minute there, it, almost, it was, you know, people were thinking it's going to go to Biden. Texas and Georgia have been two states that the left has wanted so bad. 
I mean, they believe these two states can go Democrat. They want Texas and they want Georgia more than they want any other state in the union. It seems every election. So if their shenanigans going to play, they're going to play in those two states because they want those states. They've been saying they're going purple for years. Ever since I've lived in Georgia, they've been telling me that Georgia is purple. Well, Georgia's not purple. I know, I know, I know right now what we're seeing in Georgia with Biden potentially doesn't make any sense. It just simply does not make sense. So there, that's the thing about this election is there's so many things that have happened in this election that don't make sense that make people question it. And we should question it. We have every right to question it. For example, uh, this is from Gateway Pundit. You know, say what you will about Gateway Pundit. Uh, Joe Hoff or Jim Hoff and his brother Joe Hoff, I think, done a great job over there in exposing the left and giving us a lot of information. Now, the thing about information, and it goes for the information you're hearing from me as well, is always tr don't trust things you hear, including from me. Uh, always, you know, only believe what you know to be true or what you have already verified yourself. And I got that from a, a radio host here in Atlanta, Georgia, who's since retired, Neil Boards. He used to say that all the time. And he said it too, just about himself. So don't believe anything I say unless you know it to be true or you verified it for yourself. And the same thing goes to everything. All the information you get from the media who, who lies to you, who manipulates you, don't believe anything you hear from them unless you know it to be true, you verify it yourself. So what Joe Hoff has done, or sorry, Jim Hoff has done, is he just presents a lot of information to us. And we, we can figure it out. But, you know, sometimes it's sensational. Sometimes it's thought-provoking like this. Here's a, a headline from the Gateway Pundit. Uh, this is from Mike Lachance, uh, November 14th. Have you noticed that Joe Biden underperformed Hillary Clinton except in four cities? Unless you're a Democrat, or this is from the article, unless you're a Democrat or a member of the media, you've probably noticed some strange things about the 2020 election. Somehow, we're supposed to think there's nothing odd about old white Joe Biden getting more votes than Obama in 2008 in what was a historically large turnout. That's true. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe that Biden... Who, nobody even cared. There was no energy for Biden, none whatsoever. You know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands would go in, tens of thousands would go to a Trump rally, and ones of ones would go to a Biden rally. I think he got most at a rally was 500. I think it was at two. Mostly he was getting 20, 30, 40 people. So again, from the article, one poster is asking a very good question. Why did Biden underperform Hillary Clinton's numbers except in four specific cities. Now, this is from Town Hall Reports. Uh, Polster. It's curious how Biden underperformed Hillary Clinton in every city except these four. If you, if you count the ballot fraud, most posters clearly failed. Uh, they did. They did. If you don't include the fraudulent ballots, most posters failed on a spectacular scale, wrote Basham. I don't know. Basham is the pollster. Yet here's where things get fishy in the 2020 race, which he mentions at the end of his column. He cites Richard Barris of Big Data Poll, who noted something funny about Biden's numbers in the cities, how it lagged behind Clinton's numbers, but shot off to the moon in these four cities. Just take a look at the states in which these cities are located as well. So here's the best part of where the Postal wrote, and he wrote this at Democracy Institute. How curious that, as Barris notes, Trump won the largest non-white vote share for a Republican presidential candidate in 60 years. Think, think about that. 
This is from the article. Trump won the largest non-white vote share for Republican presidential candidate in 60 years. But yet, Biden? Anyway, it goes on. Biden underperformed Hillary Clinton in every major metro area around the country, save for Milwaukee, Detroit, Atlanta, and Philadelphia. Robert Barnes, the foremost election analysis, observes in these big cities and swing states run by Democrats, the vote even exceeded the number of registered voters. Trump's victories in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin were on target until, in the middle of the night, counting was arbitrarily halted, miraculously. Several hundred thousand votes, all for Biden, were mysteriously found. Trump's lead, Trump's real leads, subsequently vanished. The protracted eventual outcome will determine the contemporary relevance of Stalin's observation. No matter who wins, most posters have already lost their credibility and influence. And Stalin's observation is he doesn't care uh, who votes, how they vote. All he cares about is who counts the votes. And I paraphrase that. So with all these irregularities, all these anomalies, we can't question this? Yeah. I'm going to call minutia on that one. I'm questioning the hell out of this because it doesn't make sense. This election does not make sense. And that's where a lot of people are in this Stop the Steal campaign because it doesn't make sense. How could Biden underperform Hillary Clinton in these major cities? Now, you know what they're going to say? This is what the left's going to say. Well, you know, the African Americans, they love Biden. They love him because he was, he was Obama's vice president. But then how do you explain Trump getting more of the black vote this time than last time? It doesn't make sense. The numbers don't add up. And I have questions. And you should too. We should question this. We shouldn't just let this happen. Arguably, the president of the United States is the most powerful position in the world. Obviously, the most powerful position in government in the United States. But we're talking worldwide impact here. I mean, if Biden gets elected, if, he, if, he does, if this gets certified for Biden, and he becomes the president of the United States, God forbid, um, you know, he's not going to be able to do much domestically. His domestic policies will get just killed before they even get started because we control the Senate, we being the Republicans, and they won't be able to touch the judiciary. Now, unless they can turn these two Senate races over, which they're going to do everything they damn well can to do so because they want the judiciary, they want the Supreme Court because they can't do anything right now. And if they get the Senate, they will stack the Supreme Court. Don't trust the Democrats. And by the way, do not trust Joe Manchin. I've seen some people online saying, well, don't worry. Joe Manchin says that, uh, you know, if the Democrats win the, the Senate, I'm not going to vote for crap, that crazy crap like packing the court. Manchin's a liar. He ha he's always been a liar. Do not trust Joe Manchin. If you believe Joe Manchin when he said something like that, I've got a bridge to sell you because it's not true. He's telling you what you want to hear. And he's telling you what the party is letting him tell you. This, it's all a smokescreen. That way, because if Joe Manchin comes out and says, oh, guess what? Oh, yeah, you know, my colleagues, oh, some of them want some crazy crap. I'm not going with that crazy crap. Trust me. I'll stop them. <laughs> right. Hero to the rescue, Joe Manchin? I don't think so. Uh, no, we need to win these two Senate races here in the state of Georgia. So whatever support you can throw to these two candidates, David Perdue and um, uh, Kelly Loeffler, Please do so because they're going to need everything they can to win this election because the Democrats are going to throw 
all of it here. I mean, the amount of money that's going to pour into this state is going to be astronomical, astronomical. But anyway, I digress. So we get back to the presidential. We get all these anomalies. I mean, there's just de dead people voting. Wait a minute, I'm not dead. No, wait a minute. Uh, you know, the, you know, it doesn't make sense how we got you know, higher voter turnout than there are people in precincts, all this stuff, which comes up in every election. But then we have this. Uh, this is from the right scoop. And this is all over the place, not just the right scoop. This just happens to be the article that I've got pulled up. Sidney Powell tells Maria Bartiromo on her show that Trump team's evidence will overturn multiple states. Here's where the stop the steal stuff gets very interesting. And here's where the conspiracy hats come on. Now, he, let me read the article and then we'll get in. We'll have a conversation about this. Attorney, attorney Sidney Powell is on Trump's legal team for the election fight. And she appeared on Sunday Morning Futures today for an explosive interview with Maria Bartiromo in which she made certainly some of the boldest claims so far by the Trump team. She began talking about a particular uh, individual, Peter Neffinger. He is president and on the board of directors of Smartmatic, and it just so happens he's on Mr. Biden's presidential transition team. That's going to be non-existent because we're fixing to overturn the results of the election in multiple states, claimed Powell, and that was just a start. She connected Neffinger to the software she said was used to alter or remove votes in some way. She goes on, President Trump won by not just hundreds of thousands of votes, but by millions of votes that were shifted by this software that was designed expressly for that purpose, she told Bartiromo. We have sworn witness testimony of why the software was designed. It was designed to rig elections, quote, end quote, from Sidney Powell. Uh, she went on. They did this on purpose. It was calculated. They've done it before. We have evidence from 2016 in California. We have so much evidence. I feel like it's coming in through a fire hose, she continued. Uh, Bartiromo asked Powell how Powell intends to prove it, and she said she can't go into the details of their evidence on national TV. I just can't do that. Uh, oh, and Bartiromo goes on, okay, but you have a very small time frame here. The elections are supposed to be certified in early December. Do you believe that you can present this to the courts and be successful within just this couple of weeks? And Powell said this, first of all, I never say anything I can't prove, she said. Secondly, the evidence is coming in so fast, I can't even process it all. This is a, this is a massive election fraud, she said, saying the software was used not just by Dominion, but possibly other brand voting machines as well. It's absolutely brazen how people bought the system and why they bought the system. And she calls for a criminal investigation, basically in all these states that did this. There should be a criminal investigation. This is, uh, I mean, I don't even know how to process this. This is so unfathomable that how can you possibly, possibly believe it, right? I mean, you would have to have corroborating evidence. We don't know what she has, but you would have to have uh, people that said the same thing. Oh, wait, here, here's a story from Just the News, John Solomon's group. Here's the headline. Congressional Democrats had raised security concerns about Dominion other voting machine companies. That's right. That's right. Here's the article from John Solomon. Senator, when I say this senator's name, you're going to fall. I hope you're not driving because, you know, you, you may just wreck your car. Or, or if you're riding your bike or something, you're going you're gonna to fall over on your bike. If you're jogging, you're probably going to be okay. 
if you're at work or at home, just brace yourself. Because here's the senator that said that raised security concerns about Dominion. You know, the election machines used in this race that Sidney Powell's talking about. Here we go. Senator Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> That's right. Elizabeth Warren. Three other Hill Democrats said in series of letters to investment firms that voting machine companies have long skimped on security in favor of convenience. Uh, from the article, Democratic leaders of Congress warned last year in a series of letters that election technology companies such as Dominion Voting Systems were prone to security problems, a result of them having purportedly long skimped on security in favor of convenience. From that desk of Elizabeth Warren, Senator Elizabeth Warren. By the way, um, over the weekend I was on a, a forum talking about this and somebody linked to Elizabeth Warren's website where this came from. And I clicked on that link and uh, it was, uh, I got that 404 error. So I don't know if that was just at the time, but somebody else clicked on it. And again, it was bad, but it's been saved elsewhere. So Senator Elizabeth Warren can try to scrub it all she wants, but it's out there. But here, here you have the Democrats, Elizabeth Warren of all people, uh, stating that the, they've, you know, raising security concerns of the very machines, the very machines we're talking about now. What does Sidney Powell have? Rudy Giuliani has said the same thing. He can't go into it right now, but it's all going to come out. Now, we've been down this road before, haven't we? We've, 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 you know, we've got the Durham report that was supposed to come out and shock the world, right? But no, re report claims Durham is dropping the Spygate investigation. Did you hear that one already? So, you know, so much for that. See, this is where that whole, you know, once bitten, twice shy thing is we've been hearing about the Durham report for so long that it was going to rock the world and, uh, and people were going to go to jail, which I never buy into that go to jail stuff. <laughs> when is the last time you saw a politician go to jail? It's rare. It happens, but it's rare. So now all of a sudden a report claims that Durham is dropping a spy gate. And there's some reporting saying that because they don't want any issues with an incoming Biden administration. Yeah, so so much for that. See, we've been down this road, once bitten, twice shy. So in, until we see the evidence that Sidney Powell has, that Rudy Giuliani has, uh, at this point in time, hold your fire. But it's let them work the process out because it's all they got. It really is. All this other election fraud nonsense, and I hate to say it's nonsense, and I don't mean to disrespect it or belittle it, but <clears throat> that, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's the election by a thousand cuts. Because I guarantee you there's election fraud out there, but there may be election fraud from people that just hate this president so much that got into the position where they're counting his ballots and maybe did a few things. There's election fraud to where, you know, there was a, a, maybe a guy or girl at a voting booth at a church, say in Oklahoma, and saw these Trump ballots and was angry because, you know, the left wears their emotions on this, their sleeve, they're frothing at the mouth, and they saw these Trump ballots and they looked around, nobody saw them, and they threw them in the trash and the guys who came and cleaned up the church after a wedding found them true story by the way that actually happened so those kind of election fraud things happen all the time uh, all across the country and so it's the death of a thousand cuts but it's usually not enough to put a, a, a presidential election over the top for one candidate or another like this 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 if it's election fraud has to be on a massive scale that's what Sidney Powell's talking about. So if what she says is true, 
absolutely huge. Now, and then there's this, you know, uh, this is from the Federalist Papers, mail-in ballot rejection rates weirdly plummet in a year when they should have been expected to skyrocket. And they go on to talk about with, you know, the mail-in ballots were, I think, around 70 million mail-in ballots this election cycle. It was unprecedented compared to any other election because most states don't have mail-in ballots. You know, Washington State already has it. And they'll mail you the ballot, you mail it back. But in a lot of states started at this, this cycle just because of the pandemic. So you've got, uh, here's some examples that they gave. Uh, one is in Georgia, my home state. So in my home state of Georgia, uh, Normally, like in 2016, the rejection rate for mail-in ballots was 6.4%. Well, this year, 2020, with the huge increase in mail-in ballots, it's 0.2%. Is that logical? Can anyone believe that number? That doesn't make any kind of sense. Now, if you're going to try to tell me that, you know, E, the uh, rejection rate for 2016 in the state of Georgia was uh, 9,643 that were rejected. That was the number. And this year for 2020, the rejection rate is uh, 5,243. I wouldn't believe you. I wouldn't believe it at all. Now, percentages are different because this year, millions more. Uh, I forget how many in Georgia. It was like two point some million, two and a half million. It's about like half of the people did early voting. Um, actually, I think about 70% actually did early voting. And it was a large number. I don't know how many of those were mail-in ballots. Don't recall that number. So obviously, you're going to have more mail-in ballots. So the percentage is going to drop. But from 6.4% to 0.2%, when we haven't done it like this before, you're trying to tell me, you want me to believe that people made mistakes in 2016, 6.4% of the time, and in 2020, only 0.2% of the time? I'm supposed to believe that? Yeah, that's that whole bridge you're trying to sell me. In, in Pennsylvania, the numbers are not as staggering. That uh, is 0.3% rejection rate in 2020 compared to 1% in 2016. Uh, by the way, Pennsylvania didn't have as many uh, mail-in ballots as other states. Mm, interesting, right? Uh, Nevada's rejection rate was uh, fell 1.6% in 2016 to 0.75 in 2020. In North Carolina, which was one of the few battleground states called in Trump's favor, it went from a 2.7% rejection rate in 2016 to 0.8% in 2020. Again, it doesn't make sense. Makes you question. So you got that and a whole Dominion thing going on. Mm, I don't know. This from the American Thinker kind of even makes you question it even more. Here's from a November 15th article by Andrea Win Widberg. Uh, headline, the Dominion software story keeps getting worse. This one, this one is really going to make you think. This is going to make you go, wait a minute. I've got questions. From the article, Dominion software's reputation for reliability may have taken another hit with the claim that Eric... Coomer, a vice president of Dominion, and the person in charge of the software security is a, wait for this, an Antifa supporter and Trump hater. <laughs> uh, this information is disturbing when added to the way in which the software churned out impossible pro-Biden results in the wee hours of November 4 in Democrat-run states following a Trump wave. Uh, mm, here's what makes it curious here. And curiouser. Wikipedia has deleted most of Dominion's history. Uh, the author visited the page a few days ago and read about its origins in Venezuela. Curiouser and curiouser. If you go to the Wikipedia page today, that history is gone. And in its place are accusations against QAnon. 
At the View History page, you can see dozens of recent changes since the election. The primary editor, Molly White, is a recent college grad and bisexual leftist. Now, I don't care if she's bisexual, but she's bisexual leftist. Those are a special breed. Uh, these changes, along with endless fact checks from leftist media outlets, keep burying even more deeply the history behind Dominion. However, that history is worth digging up because it goes a long way to explain, explaining where we are now. In fact, um, the system was so vulnerable to hacking that in January 2020, Texas Secretary of State refused to certify it. So, so this just keeps going down a rabbit hole, down a rabbit hole, and you just kind of wonder, what is going on? We deserve answers to these questions. Now, what happens? There was an exchange over the weekend with a Fox News uh, reporter or uh, anchor at one of their shows. Uh, some guy with some poofy hair. Can't remember. Don't really care. And he was he was debating with a Trump uh, person, and she was saying that all these votes should be turned, you know, could be invalidated. And he's like, "Where are they going to go? Where are all those votes going to go? Where, where are they going to go from Biden to Trump? Tell me where." And they're getting really combative. So I want to answer the question. So let's say. And the question is, where do all those Biden votes go? Where does Trump get all those votes? Does Biden just get the vote? He was asking, does Trump just get the Biden, Biden votes? No. And it was a stupid question on his part. It was just absolutely stupid. Let's say, in, well, let's use 2000, the 2000 race, the uh, Florida Supreme Court call in for the race between Al Gore and George Bush. In that race, the Gore campaign wanted the counts only in certain counties. That's all they wanted. They wanted in certain counties because they knew in those certain counties if they can get, because they lost it by what, 400 and some votes? I forget what it is. Anyway, in those certain counties were heavy, heavy Democrat counties, and they knew if there were any chance for them to get more votes would be those counties. Well, the Bush campaign fought, no, you can't cherry pick. And that's what the Supreme Court said. You know what? The Supreme Court sided with the Bush campaign and said, no, you can't cherry pick. If you want to recount, you got to recount everything. That's where we're at. So what will happen is it will all go to court because that's how things are decided. Ted Cruz said it best. In this country, uh, we take things to court to get an outcome. So what's going to happen to answer this um, numbnuts question is there'll be – if there are these many irregularities – they're just going to have a recount. They'll have to go back, and then they'll have to analyze all of the votes. And if some of them are bad, like the hanging chads in Florida, they get rejected. Then what's left is who wins. So if there are several thousands of votes, I mean tons, thousands, hundreds of thousands of votes that came in that you can't match a signature, or they just don't muster, they don't meet the caliper that is set forth in each state's laws in accepting ballots, if they don't meet it, then they get tossed. Or you take what's in the Dominion software system and you compare it to the hand count, and if there are irregularities there. So there's all kind of things that are going to happen here if this story turns out to be true, and that's a big if, in my opinion right now. I hope, I do hope, I hope, I hope Sidney Powell is not pulling um, – uh, um, what was the guy that, oh, Mueller, pulling a Mueller, right? Everybody thought Mueller was going to take down the president. Didn't happen. So we hope that that's not where we're at now. Hope is a wishy-washy word that we do not want to employ that often. Anyway, that's kind of where we're at. And in my opinion, as I see it right now, everything, 
everything. The only way President Trump will retain his position, retain the presidency, is if what Sidney Powell is saying is true turns out to be true. Otherwise, I hate to say it, it's over. It's, you know, it's time to wrap it up, put a fork in it, it's done. But these questions deserve answers. There's too many anomalies, too many. And what Sidney Powell is talking about looks like it'll answer these questions. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, I want to hear the answers. And if Biden turns out the winner, well, he'll be my president. I'm not one of those people who say, he's not my president, because it's just stupid. He'll be my president. I won't like it, and I will fight it. I'll fight his policies, his agenda. I will call them out. It'll be an interesting ride from a pundit's perspective, because Biden's, Biden's crazy radical. He's a radical people, and it's not him. It's going to be the people that he brings into the office because Biden, he's an empty vessel. He's not making decisions. It won't be him. It's his, his policy people. Those are the ones we got to watch out for, and those are the ones that we got to call out and expose. we got to disinfect, turn on the light. Anyway, thanks for listening to this segment of the PBL podcast. Don't mix the, miss the next part. I'm going to get into – Uh, the COVID scare that's going on right now, as well as how the media manipulates you. You don't want to miss that. Thanks again for listening to this segment of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Please do visit our website, thepblpodcast.com. Check out our social media links. My handle, and most of them, if not all of them, is at the PBL Podcast. Our YouTube link is Politics and Brown Liquor. And I also have merch. That's right. If you want a shirt, you want a sweatshirt, you know, it's going to be cold. You need one of those hoodies, right? And, it, you know, it's got some PBL logos on there. I'll put it in the show notes, but you can find us over at, I think it's tsing.com slash the PBL podcast. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you guys soon.